0: of America, Washington, D.C., signing on. show We're <laughs> in it now. Oh, no. Welcome to another episode of Radio Contra, the podcast of AmericanPartisan.org and hosted by me, the Commandante of the Mossy Oak Militia. And that is all of you out there. I am in Sea Scout coming at you live from the Guerrilla Camp located deep in the heart of rural Northern North Carolina. And what a week it has been! What a week it has been thus far. Originally planned to uh, get some other podcasts done, but life gets in the way. Uh, life gets in the way. And there's been a lot of things going on on this end. Uh, as, of course, some of you are well aware, the longtime listeners certainly know. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you have to do when uh, you have the death of a close family member. And, uh, you know, so it's been it's it's been a, a big undertaking. And uh, but, you know, I've get a lot of all of you out there. What an incredible audience who has reached out, who has offered their condolences um and so many of which I am literally buried in emails and uh, that that level of interaction out there that I'm getting is is really really touching, um and that's really just I can't thank you enough, um I I really can't you know the the last sons of liberty took the first ten minutes and and really kind of expressed my feelings about a lot of stuff and, uh, you know, the loss, of my dad and everything. And, um, you know, that, that was, it was kind of my way of, of giving a tribute to somebody who, who has given me so much for my entire life. And, um, you know, but the response that I got from all of you out there was really, really incredible. And that owes to the fact that y'all really are the best audience in the world. That anybody could be blessed to have. And so if you're listening to this right now, thank you. Uh, thank you for that. Thank you for the, the reaching out, the outpouring of support, the prayers, the, everything. Uh, absolutely everything. You know, because this audience out there is the reason that I do all the things I do. You know, I started Brush Beater. A lot of people don't know this story, uh, but I started Brush Beater on 11 September 2015. And there was kind of an interesting road that led up to the original brush Feeder site getting stood up. Um, you know, I was I was writing things here and there as a creative outlet for you know, other other people, other places, other websites, and under a lot of different screen names and stuff. And and um, you know, the, I kind of had this catalyst point that I got pushed to, and uh, it was eleven September, and I got to thinking about. Uh, different things I got to thinking about, you know, as, as we all do on 11 September. Uh, of course, the, the the attack on the United States and, um, you know, the, the things that have transpired since. But how we fell so far from that day, from the 11 September and the, the American spirit that, that we all had, how we fell so far from that so quickly. And then getting into the Obama years and and really just this exposing of corruption that we've seen at at every level. Um, You know, and and that brings us to where we are today. And I didn't think at least at that time that there was any better example than Benghazi, which also occurred on 11 September. And, um, you know, having some... Insider information on that, some insider details on, on what was going on in the events. Uh, doing some battle tracking where I, I was in a school for the army and we were doing uh, some continuous battle tracking on things that were going on in Libya that ended up leading up to Benghazi and all the stuff was really predictable. And the morning that that happened, it was just none of, none of the facts were lining up as far as the story that we were being told. And, and we knew that we were being lied to. Everybody knew that, that, you know, we were being lied to. The American public was being lied to. And um, we knew who the culprits were. And this the same Politburo that is infesting D.C., that ha- is controlling the top wings, the power elite, the, uh, this... this uh, Good old boy club and good old lady club, too. Can't be gender exclusive now, Um, which which has infested it. And, you know, this is a communist infiltration that has happened over time. And I know uh, to some of the listeners out there who may not necessarily uh, be conservative or of a a conservative or libertarian mindset— you know, this has been going on, and this is very, very well documented, the, the communist infiltration that has occurred, and it began in the Ivy Leagues. And we know that the Ivy League manifests itself into the highest echelons of government, the Department of State, our intelligence community, um, and, and so on and so forth. The, the highest halls of government are, are insulated by the Ivy League. That is the gate keeping uh, that goes on there. So, you know, right now, um, intermittently to kind of take my mind off of things, you know, me being something of an amateur historian and, and somebody who uh, revels in how things were done in the past, because that can give us some very unique insight into the future, into uh, present events, and current events. What was the road that got us to, to where we are? And um, particularly, a lot of people who know me and know me well know that, that uh, I have a very keen fascination with Cuba, with uh, the history of Cuba. I think it's an incredibly fascinating uh, place. It's a, a, a wonderful people. Uh, the Cuban people are wonderful people. And it's the, the whole era of the the first Cuban Revolution, the, the War of Independence from Spain, the American intervention in that, this relationship that America had with Cuba uh, that was very interesting and, and ended up being corrupted by the Batista regime uh, and organized crime here in the United States, and and how all of these things kind of culminated in the Cuban Revolution and then the attempted counter-revolution with the Bay of Pigs invasion. And so I've sought over the years to really understand that era better because I, I don't think that there's a, a better example of understanding the Cold War in its its most important phases without understanding it, that piece. And the role that, that Cuba continues to play, that the uh, the the... Uh, remaining regime that is left behind by the Castro brothers, um, what role and what purpose do they continue to serve? Uh, Because as a management system, uh, you know, communism has obviously failed. uh, You know, Fidel Castro's son is a a male model that tours Europe. Um, You know, of course, he, he looks like a certain president's brother. Um, but but we won't go there. Uh, but um, you know, the, these guys live like kings and, and yet you see your uh, av- average everyday citizen in Cuba that is suffering under the boot of socialism. And, and of course, you know we see this pattern repeated in Venezuela and we're gonna see this yet again coming up in Colombia. And I've talked about Colombia very specifically, I've talked about it many times in the past I predicted that Gustavo Petro was gonna win and of course he did. Uh, you know we're we're two weeks away now from that election and, and it really seems like uh, it was an eternity ago to me, but here we are uh, here we are and Petro is already making moves to host joint war games. There. And we're going to be diving deeper into that uh, later on in this episode. But one of the things that I want to talk about, though, is this book by a guy named E. Howard Hunt. Now, if you're not familiar with E. Howard Hunt, he is one of the Watergate burglars. He was a uh, staffer for Richard Nixon, and he's very famous for that. Um, you know, he, he was convicted uh, felony breaking and entering. Um, you know, we can we could really dive into this guy and into his criminal history. And I don't really think that for this purpose is very important because you got to look deeper. This man is a very, very interesting and very important figure in the larger intelligence community because he had a unique insight. He was the guy who was the kingpin behind the entire operation to invade uh, at Bay of Pigs. And he put the whole thing together. You know, Brigade 2506, the whole resistance, putting together all these very fragmented uh, elements of the Cuban refugees. There were, very interestingly, socialists among them um, who weren't necessarily on board with Castro. They didn't have a problem with the Soviet Union, but they weren't on board necessarily with Castro. Castro ended up pushing them out. They went to Miami. Very, very interesting pieces of history. And his book is called Give Us This Day. And you can still find it. It's very, very inexpensive. I picked this book up for a dollar. uh, A dollar. And I thought, you know, hey, I haven't read anything. E. Howard Hunt's name keeps coming up. You know, in um, uh, Frank Sturgis's biography that was done by his nephew uh, called Warrior, Frank Sturgis was a, a very uh, important figure in, in the early Cuban Revolution and then uh, coming up into the Cuba, Cuban Counter Revolution. And he was one of E. Howard Hunt's contemporaries in the Watergate uh, burglary as well. So he's a very, very interesting guy, along with G. Gordon Liddy. But I had never read anything specifically from E. Howard Hunt, and I wanted to. And I wanted to hear in his words, what's his story? Uh, What is your part of the story as the ground force commander, as the guy who is putting together this guerrilla force, which is horribly fractured from... Uh, Batista's forces that were the, that, that were the early exiles who had left, these, these were uh, loyalists to the Batista regime, to uh, socialists who were favorable to the Soviet Union, uh, more so than they were to the United States, but ended up in South Florida anyway, and and really wanted a, a counter-revolution. They wanted socialism without cashier which was specifically the term that, that he used in the book. But it's very interesting. But what I found most interesting about this, and it's a quick read. It, it's something like 150 pages. It, it's, it's not a long read. You can sit in a couple afternoons and uh, you know, puff on a good cigar, drink some decent whiskey, give, give it a few quiet hours in the afternoon, It'd do us all a little bit of good to do that anyway, slow our days down, and uh, process things and kind of get lost in somebody else's story. And reading this was so fascinating because he had a very unique insight on how he kind of foreshadowed that his operation was doomed to fail. And he specifically talked about how in the early days in the OSS, because E. Howard Hunt was, was an OSS man uh, who had worked in China as well. It's a very, very interesting story about this guy. And he's, he's talking about how, and now he, he's a, a Yale grad himself, but how the Ivy League had many communists who were, at least at that time he didn't want to necessarily call them communists, they were definitely socialist leaning, And he calls that out specifically. Points all these things out and how they did maybe didn't necessarily want to criticize or even successfully overthrow Castro. And that the whole operation that was put together was really something to placate the right wing, which posed a very serious threat to the presidency of Kennedy. It's a very, very interesting book. It's a very interesting take on government, it's a very interesting take on the intelligence community, and it's coming from a guy who got burned by the very same community that he had devoted his entire life to. So I think that it's it's a fascinating read, and again, if you can find a copy of it, absolutely worth the read. It's a very quick read, it is a very entertaining read. Howard Hunt's a, a great writer, by the way, and uh, unbeknownst to me, he had written Bunch of other uh, novels as well, fiction books back in the uh, early 1970s. I don't know if any of those are are still around, but uh, it's very, very fascinating because there were ads for these in the back of this book. And and, uh, the original publication of this in paperback was 1973. So, very, very fascinating. Very, very fascinating. And certainly um, gives us a perspective and gives me a perspective on the contemporary events that we see, the contemporary news pieces that we see, and how did we get here? How did we get here? How did we get here in 2022, the dead center of 2022, scratching our heads right after Independence Day, saying, how the hell did we get here? How the hell did we get to where we are with these open... I'll I'll just say they're working contrary to the interests of the people of the United States. I'm not necessarily going to call them open communists, because I don't think that that would be correct. But seeing what's coming out of this Washington Politburo, they want to maintain their grasp on power however they can. They're in a lot of trouble, and we're in a lot of trouble, too. We're going to be diving into that in this episode. But first, I want to give a shout-out to the show's sponsors. First and foremost, Jack Lawson's Civil Defense Manual. You've heard me talk about it a lot. I wrote the COMO chapter in it. We're going to be talking about some communications topics in this episode, too, so you better buckle up for that. Um, but if you don't have this book, I'm telling you, cut on a TV, cut on Fox News, Pay attention to AmericanPartisan.org. Look at the headlines. I don't know what other clue that you need. You need this book, CivilDefenseManual.com. CivilDefenseManual.com. Do not hesitate. My very good friends over at Blacksmith Publishing, career special operations and special forces instructors in the Q course. That is a qualification course to earn that long tab their instructors in the small unit tactics course that would be Mr. Paul LeFevre and Mr. Mike Blackburn and man, oh man, I'm telling you, I put up links on Americanpartisan.org to their books fairly regularly. And I know a lot of you out there have reached out to me and said, thank you for pointing us in the direction of this company. Wow. Um, and, you know, I, I'm honored to have them as advertisers. I'm honored to have them as friends. And I've had them on in the past. I had them on back in episode 97. I was on their podcast as well, which can be found on Podbean exclusively. Uh, they may be on some of the other platforms now. I'm not sure, but I do know for a fact they're on Podbean. You can find it. It is the Pine Lander. So if you want to hear news, global events, Maybe a few things preparedness-related, spiritual preparedness as well. Mr. Paul Favor is also an ordained reverend, and I've had a lot of great conversations with him. His book, Iron Sharpening Iron, is a spiritual, biblical foundation for the American man, and it is, I'm going to tell you, I'll, I'll be quite honest, that book got me through a very, very difficult time in my life. Um and I think that it probably will for a lot of you as as well. We have to have that spiritual underpinning, you know. Whether you're a Christian or not, it really doesn't matter. You can read that book, you can get things out of it, okay? But uh, their podcast, Pinelander, go check it out. And I'm going to have them back on here in the near future. Going to work out some details. Their work schedule, my work schedule, kind of always in flux. So it's you know it's a, a bullet trying to hit a bullet in mid flight. But we're going to make this thing happen. We're going to make this thing happen. Last, certainly not least, big uh, shout-out to Joe Dolio, the Tactical Wisdom Series. He's a great friend of mine. He just emailed me the other day uh, talking about DMR, diving into DMR, because I had him in the RTO course up in Michigan. But his books, Tactical Wisdom Series, you need them, okay? You need them. They're not expensive. They are available on Amazon. There will be links down below. There are links fairly regularly that I put up on AmericanPartisan.org. So definitely pick those up, preparedness from a biblical perspective. In Joe's words himself, the Bible is the greatest preparedness manual that's ever been written. And I agree with him, especially when you read the Old Testament. There's a lot of great stuff in there, a lot of great stuff in there, you know. Uh, The RTO course out in Wyoming, the last one, I was having some very, very good after-hours conversation that was fueled by a little bit of Bighorn Whiskey. So big shout-out to Willie's Distillery in Ennis, Montana, home of Bighorn Whiskey, as well as the Devil's Brigade Whiskey. Uh, Because Devil's Brigade, very famous... uh, Proto special forces unit that was trained up there in Ennis Montana for World War Two. Uh, you know, legendary guys. The the prototype. You know, between them and and the early Rangers at Normandy, the early Rangers that were uh, that conducted the Great Raid, and you know the OSS. They kind of were the prototype of the the contemporary special operations community. But anyway. Uh, so we're up there and we're, we're having some conversation you know amongst ourselves and talking about different things. And the story of Gideon came up. And what was just this incredible conversation that that morphed into this deep, deep topic was that the story of Gideon, which if you're not familiar, uh, Gideon ended up with with way less warriors than, than he felt he needed. At the time, he had this giant army that, that was coming in on the Israelites. And, and here's Gideon, the military commander, the ground force commander. What is he going to do? And the Lord keeps telling him, hey, you know, you've you got to cut these guys. And you got to cut this number of guys. And you got to cut this number of guys. And then all of a sudden, he's left with 300 people. And, he's, and I, you know, I'm not fighting thousands with 300. This, this isn't going to work. And so he was commanded to light lamps at night all around the enemy encampments. And we got to talking about that, that was the earliest form of electronic warfare. If you think about it, it's electronic warfare. That's a, a force multiplier. That is an enabler right there. That's psychological warfare. He's making his army seem like it was so much bigger than it actually was. And they won the war... Without even having to throw the first stone. You think about that. And we talked about that after the first night of the Signals Intelligence course. Deep stuff, man. Deep stuff. Joe Dolio, Tactical Wisdom. Get those books. Can't say enough. So, looking over some of the headlines here, we, uh, of course, had the July 4th Independence Day. Massacre in Highland Park. Uh, we can't uh, ignore that, and of course the uh, the calls for gun control that are coming out. Um, you know this kid. There's a lot of irregularities with this kid. Multiple suicide attempts. You know the the ATF, the government, so on and so forth comes out immediately. Says you know the weapon that he had, which Uh, to my knowledge, has still yet to be identified uh, other than it was a rifle. But with this kid's past, with the things that we know about him now, multiple uh, warning signs were there, suicide attempt. Um, I have it on good authority. a, A friend of mine in Illinois who is very, very familiar with the firearms laws there he told me flat out there's no way that this kid bought any of this stuff legally uh, with, with the laws that are in Illinois. So, you know, again, it just, to me, what this looks like is yet another instance where, at face value, let's just take it at face value, the laws themselves failed. They're going to continue to fail, right? They keep weapons prohibitively out of the hands of good people, and it is allowing these little dirt bags running around to be armed. Now, of course, <clears throat> they've completely ignored the fact that there is uh, that there was a cop that was assaulted and shot. Uh, there were two cops that were uh, ambushed in Philadelphia. There was uh, several others that were assaulted during fireworks demonstrations in Baltimore as well. The media doesn't want to talk about that, and they're not going to talk about that uh, because the wrong demographic, the wrong victims, the wrong everything. Everything's wrong, okay? Uh, so <clears throat> I've got a, a very serious problem uh, with with that, and, and But, you know, I I know that you do, too, and so I'm not going to beat that dead horse. But I think that's a little bit ridiculous. You know, if Kamala Harris wants to stand on her podium in, in, uh, in Chicago like she did and stomp her feet and say enough is enough, well, you know, why don't you talk more about the kids who got shot in Chicago proper, not just Highland Park, not just the dramatic events, the kids that got shot there. What are you doing about that? What's Lori Lightfoot doing about any of this? You know, the best that she could do is say that you know lawlessness is, is not going to be tolerated, and then turn around and and say the things that she said about the Supreme Court. It's all ridiculous. Um, you know, but again, all of you know this. You know, we don't necessarily need to keep beating that dead horse. We do need to point it out. What's more important, on the other hand, what's a lot more important, on the other hand? Is some of the other things that haven't necessarily made the mainstream news. Now I gotta mention uh, George Guidestones getting blown up today. Well, that's interesting. I know Ted Turner's probably real upset about that. Uh, <laughs> if if you know, you know. Um, but uh, I'm sure he's I'm sure he's he's really really not happy about that one. But um, you know we, these things are kind of sideshows. Um the Netherlands is in the middle of a farmers revolt. This one is extremely significant. It is uh, very similar to the honking uh, in ca- in in Canada that happened uh, earlier this year, the the big Canadian trucker protest. Um, you know, we we've, we've got some pieces up on americanpartisan.org that is going much deeper into that way past the headlines that you're going to see Anywhere else, and um, you know, there's a lot of fractures that are occurring. Uh, Truck apocalypse, quote unquote, begins in California this week. Uh, Seventy thousand truckers are forced off the road due to Democrat policies in that state. You know, and they're probably going to be leaving the roads because of the fuel prices as well. And so we've got high fuel prices amid Biden shipping five million barrels. Of America's strategic reserve, or reserve, to Europe. Why is he sending it to Europe? Because Russia cut the fuel off to Europe. Okay, so the best that he can offer is saying that, well, you know, we're just we're we're going to have to uh, close down the gas stations because they're making too much money. Meanwhile, he is sending our fuel reserves off, and they're not approving any new drill sites. Uh, so domestic production is cut. And we're giving the rest of our fuel away. And that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Uh, the United Kingdom's government under Bojo, Boris Johnson, is collapsing as we speak. And uh, I don't think that he's going to be prime minister for very much longer. So, um We've got some interesting things. We've got some very, very interesting things. Uh, Gustavo Petro, though, I want to talk about him. I want to revisit this story with Petro and, and of course, Radio Contra. We predicted Gustavo Petro. I specifically predicted Gustavo Petro was going to be elected president of Colombia. He is a former M-19 communist guerrilla. M-19 was another communist group that um, was a competing group to the FARC, uh, the F-A-R-C, in Colombia, which is one of their more famous communist groups, along with E-L-N. And um, he has opened the borders back up with Venezuela. He's seeking close ties with Maduro. He is cutting off domestic oil production inside of Colombia proper, and that was the source for American oil as well. So, interesting times. Uh, Gustavo Petro and the Bolivian, or Bolivarian Hurricane, rather, is a, a story that is up on AmericanPartisan.org. Please go check it out. And that originally came from the Secure Free Society, and it's going really deep into the analysis of who Gustavo Petro is, his campaign goals, and what he is already doing now you're probably wondering why is this important why is uh, any of this important we've got all these issues and you know a lot of people are still focused on Ukraine uh, Ukraine's a moot point at this this juncture I don't really pay attention to the goings- on of Ukraine any longer uh, because they are not pressing for American internal defense what's going on in South and Central America absolutely is. And this is the one that you don't see coming, folks. You don't see this coming because it's a long-term plan, and Americans have the attention span of a nap. All right? But they are already hosting joint military games. In mid-August, Venezuela will host the Sniper Frontier competition with the participation of Russia, Iran, China's military, 10 other nations, which will include Colombia. In a strategic move that seeks to pre-position forward-deployed military assets in Latin America and the Caribbean, the VRIC nations are getting ready to make a loud statement that the region is ready to embrace a multipolar force. This was recently highlighted in Vladimir Putin's speech in St. Petersburg on June 17th at the International Economic Forum. So... They are already telegraphing their intent, which they are calling the Bolivarian Hurricane. Russia and China are positioning their military forces there. Now, this is something that I have been talking about consistently over the years, and it's been mostly ignored. I've talked about it in alternative media, in interviews that I've done. I've talked about it on AmericanPartisan.org. It's well documented. Okay. Nicaragua authorizing entry of Russian troops. That was just not that long ago, June 13th, 2022. And so we know that now Russian troops have been invited into. The region. So that's Nicaragua. Of course, we've got Panama, the Panama Canal, which is completely under Chinese control. A new upgraded canal is currently being dug in Nicaragua that is being bankrolled by the Chinese as well. You've got Honduras, which is under a populist, communist guerrilla control as well. Let's take a look back as early as 2018. I was talking about very early on the Russian influence in Cuba, as we were talking about in the opener to the show, uh, how the Lorde's Signals Intelligence Station is being reopened, and they have a massive uh, runway that's running north-south, that they have deep ties with Venezuela, that the Chinese have been seeking influence up and down our southern border. Purchasing Phoenix TV, which is the most powerful broadcaster in the Northern Hemisphere, most powerful broadcaster in Mexico, and has a huge audience in the Southwest. How the Chinese purchased Morningstar Ranch and have rapidly been improving that to become a Logistics Support Area, or LSA, uh, which is something that you absolutely need for future operations, and it is owned by... By the general in charge of the People's Liberation Army logistics arm. Okay, so those are just a few data points. Now we have all these caravans of illegal migrants that are coming up, right? Some of the last groups of them that were intercepted were wearing military uniforms. Where were those military uniforms coming from? Venezuela. They didn't just purchase those, they didn't just decide to wear those through that long trek through Central America and all the way through Mexico to get up here on the American border so that they can have a better life. No, sir. That was a statement. It was a very serious one that was being made. That was a shot across our bow. Okay, These countries are not happy with the United States. These countries want to see our destruction, and they are very willingly getting prepared to do that. They are currently in a clandestine preparation phase and they're gonna go live. And that's why you need to be actively preparing yourselves now, because this is going to happen, folks. This isn't fake. This isn't some alarmist stuff. This isn't, you know, oh, the Chinese shipping containers are off the West Coast, and and you know, they're gonna bomb the West Coast, which has got governmental structures that are already aligned with the Chinese. That doesn't even make any sense. okay? But coming up from South America, it does. And there is a long pattern of influence that the Chinese and the Russians wield. All the way back in 2018, why is it that in Caracas, Venezuela, the Russians sought to build their weapons factories? 50,000 AKs a year starting in 2019, plus the ammunition to support it, and that is just one data point. That's just one thing that CAVIM, which is the military industrial arm located in Caracas, Venezuela, heavily subsidized by Russian interests. This is what they're doing. Okay, They're creating their own logistics support. This is a very long-term plan they've been following. Now, what's the State Department doing about it? What's the U.S. government doing about it? Nothing. They're not doing anything. They're busy trying to protect their grifter operation that was going on in Ukraine. They're busy floundering and getting beat at it with these short-sighted policies. And they put all of us at risk for it. They do not look at the United States as a coherent or sane nation. This is a very important point, okay? Very, very important point. And so with that, I I don't know really what more needs to be said. Folks, you need to be getting yourselves ready. You need to be taking every waking moment seriously. You need to be conducting training. You need to be getting out there. You need to be doing something. I know right now the training industry you know, A lot of people are saying, well, the fuel prices and consumer price index and everything else, don't know if I can afford it. Look, you need to get out there. Whatever it is, you need to get out there. You need to do it, all right? You need to jump into training. You need to get professionally instructed. I am just one person, and I offer a lot of classes, all right? I have a lot of great students. I have a lot of wonderful people, and I've got a lot of dates up on the calendar. But you needed to start taking this stuff seriously, folks. You need to get out there. You need to get to working. Because I promise you, wherever you are right now, you're behind the power curve on something. No man is an island. So, on that note, I want to give a quick recap of the RTO courses out in Wyoming and kind of give you an idea of what we're doing out there and some of the, the personal achievements that I saw and and things that I'm very, very proud of that I saw out of the students out there. And, you know, first and foremost, I want to give a big shout out to the people who did come out and train out there. So I had a full class, wonderful group of people, and they always set the bar very, very high. And, um, you know, the, the folks who come out and, and train again, they continuously impress me. It's the cream of the crop. You know, the the people who come out, they're serious about what they're doing and they're there to train. They're always switched on. They always ask some of the smartest questions that, that I, I think anybody could ask. And I learn things. Every little class that I run, I'm doing things a little bit different each time because it's really based on uh, things that I've learned from students along the way. I mean, I've had... Career electrical engineers. I've had college professors of engineering and physics, you know, all the way down to people who don't have any experience whatsoever and, and are coming from a very beginner level. But I'm learning from everybody continuously. And I'm really honored by that. I am really, really honored by that. And they're coming, you know, looking for a leg up, looking for techniques. They're looking for uh, tactics. They're looking for, you know, what equipment to buy in many cases. And everybody always comes away with a full notebook and uh, a lot of questions, getting all their questions answered. And I really, really love doing that. And I love teaching the RTO course, Radio Telephone Operator, and the Advanced RTO course, the follow-on course to that And the Signals Intelligence course all together, which Signals Intelligence is kind of the other side of the coin. And I like teaching all those together because it gives me a chance to slow the curriculum down a little bit. We've got six days. And so during that time, the students are really digesting the knowledge and getting that continuity of learning as well. And so it opens the doors to a lot more questions that... People may not necessarily have asked if it was just a two-day or even a four-day course. And so I'm really honored by that. And, and I feel like it's a very comprehensive learning environment. One of the things that I want to share with you is kind of a, a personal achievement of mine. You know, there's, there's a lot of things in the communications field that is theoretical. It's not necessarily an iron law. And there's a lot of things, too, that get talked about in different corners of the Internet and to varying degrees, I mean, sometimes the information you see that, that's uh, out there that's floating around is really good. And then, you know, other times it's not so good. Uh, unfortunately, there, there's, you know, a lot of people who, who think they really know what they're talking about and, you know, maybe they don't. Um, but, you know, a couple of things that, that I want to point out is one, one of those topics that's kind of hideously misunderstood is, is really just how versatile an analog radio can be and how hard to detect, if you know what you're doing, a basic analog radio can be. And, you know, of course, the, the most common analog dual band, inexpensive radio that, that's on the market, Baofeng UV5R, it's extremely versatile. And, um, you know, a personal achievement of mine, something that that terrain in Wyoming uh, in the high desert of Wyoming, was able to support was with improvised antennas. We were able to get a 35 mile contact. Uh, now, line of sight, point to point. Um, the host of the course out there, Tango One Papa, uh, Wyoming Survival. And of course, he's got his own TacComs class as well, which is amazing. If, if you're in the Western states, you need to go check him out. Wyoming Survival uh wordpress.com and uh, he's also over on instagram as well he runs his own classes he's got a blacksmith and forge um you know tony's my buddy I, i love that guy but you know he he's got a hunting lease out there and he drove out to it off in the distance we could see it it's 35 miles away and so we're communicating with this thing point to point with improvised antennas that i had the students make in class so we're going from point A to point B. Now, it is the desert. It is, you know, we're, we're at kind of a high elevation, and where he went was kind of a high elevation. So we've got hilltop to hilltop, but still 35 miles away, 4 watts of power. And then as we went later on in the course, in the advanced course, teaching the students to build Yaggies, we're making contacts that, you know if you tell people this online in different forums and stuff oh no that's no there's no way they won't believe this stuff but yet it's it's not only possible but it's demonstrated so here's the thing that was good enough for me but well, let's crank this thing up a notch so you know we talk about some of the pitfalls and I address this in class you know the pitfalls analog communications and so on and so forth and there's a differentiation that needs to be made between sustainment communications, uh, which I talked about in one of the Lessons from the Farm series uh, on the Podbean patron page, you know, which are accessible for as little as $5 a month. And I'm going to be kicking out some new content this week as well. But... You have sustainment side, which is what people think of when they think of like retreat communications, how do I uh, communicate maybe in the absence of a cell phone, maybe communication security isn't my highest priority, my highest need, right? Then you have tactical communications, which is fire and maneuver, right? From, from one element to another in a patrol, you know, assault and support by fire and you know, so on and so forth, coordinating elements. So you don't have a blue on blue or, or friendly fire incident. Um, you know, that, that's tactical level communications. And then, you know, the third category that as I break it down, you have strategic level communications, which is uh, clandestine in nature. And they're more long-term uh, coordinating assets, coordinating clandestine activities, underground activities. And, you know, how how do you accomplish that? How do you do that? You know, encryption, encoding, digital communications, one-time pads, all these things. How do you do all of this stuff? And what's really cool is that with a Balfang, you know, $25 investment, got links up all the time, Americanpartisan.org, Right. And there's varying degrees of Baofeng. There's some nicer ones out there, but, you know, bottom dollar, $25 investment, right? And an APRS cable, right, which is just an audio cable, plugs into the microphone jack on the Baofeng, plugs into the audio cable of a device. Uh, Your computer, tablet, phones, older phones can do this. But and FL Message, which is a freeware program that I give to all the students in the course, It allows for digital operations. It's got a lot of different programs on there. We go through all that. You can send images. You can send data. And we used that. And let me tell you something. Culmination exercise on the fourth day of the course, point-to-point digital communications, improvised Yagi antennas, Using a PVC pipe, a broken PVC pipe that had been left out in the sun for a few years. On top of that, with electric fence wire and just a couple other things. But using the math, understanding how it all goes together. And let me tell you something. Point-to-point communications. Doesn't get any better than that. Digital communications. Sending images. Sending text. Culminating all the things that we do in class, wow, I'm blown away by that. You know, we've done it. We've done it in classes in the past. I know that it's going to work, but never at that distance. We never had that capability at that distance. Wow. Wow. That's all I can say. And, and seeing, seeing the satisfaction that the students have on their faces, seeing them light up, wow, this is incredible. You mean we did this? We built the equipment here. We put all the stuff together. We're the ones running the program. I'm just stepping back and supervising it. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, so, you know, I'm blown away by that. There was one other thing that is usually tossed around, and it's kind of one of those theoretical things, and, and it's something that, you know, physicists and RF engineers explore in depth. And, and HAMS... For the most part, talk about it, but depending on where you are, we don't necessarily always go too in-depth with it, but that is refraction and terrain shading. And what that what that is, is, for example, you can reflect a signal off of a major terrain feature. And there's a lot of reasons that you would want to do that. Mitigating the direction-finding thread is one of those. Um... But there's a lot of reasons that you would want to do that. And we were able to do that out there. The terrain supported it. And I was able to demonstrate it in real time. Now, that's something that isn't necessarily taught uh, specifically. The concepts are taught, sure. But there's just not that many opportunities to do that and really explore this in, in the way that we were able to dive into it in class. And so, again... Everybody who was out there, for uh, everybody that was in class, for everybody that got to experience that, wow, um, incredible. Just incredible, and, and you know, I can't thank you enough. So I wanted to talk about that. I wanted to give a big shout-out to students in class and running the RTO course, and get you know if you hadn't been in it, I've, you know, I've got a few more that are up on the calendar for the remainder of the year. You know, and and I know that probably sounds crazy. It's July. We're halfway through the year. And, you know, there's not that much left up on the calendar, but that's the dates that are up there. Okay, 2022 is filled out. and, And, you know, what's up there is up there. That's pretty much it. There may be one more class that gets added in November. We're hammering out the final details right now. It's been my fault that that hasn't went up. Uh, That is me. That is on me. That is not on the host out there. But obviously, I've been tied up with with some pressing things. Um, But with that said, I wanted to break down what we're doing in the RTO course and how I'm teaching people and my methodology behind it to tell you this. So yet again, the communications field is under fire. The preparedness communications field, myself included, is coming under fire. And this article is coming from Slate. And uh, it is titled, Far-Right Extremists Turn to Personal Radios to Plan Attacks. And Of course, this was published today. And it has made its way uh, over the forum, forum.brushfeeder.org and it is uh, in several other corners of the internet, and I think that it's kind of fascinating. But uh, a couple of pieces of interest here, you know, it, it references 6 January, uh, it references something I've talked about in the past, the FCC putting out a warning, oh, if you're using radio to do anything you shouldn't, yeah, you shouldn't do that. Okay, um, you know, and, and this very bizarrely, this article dives into the Ku Klux Klan using CB. Uh, Oh, okay. Um, I didn't know that that it was a crime. I didn't know any of these things were a crime. Um, But, anyhow. uh, It goes on. The, The money quote is here. Personal radio services in particular have become increasingly important for local communication among paramilitary-minded, extreme-right-wingers. These services may seem opaque and dated relative to social media platforms. (laughs) Don't tell the people on Gab. Uh, but (laughs) But the aesthetic is part of what makes them so appealing. For instance, Telegram is not obviously visually tactical as using a radio uh it, it, or the fact that if you're using telegram to communicate you're uh, blasting yourself anyway with cell phone data but among other things um but there there's that uh this goes on a quote from mark pitcavage uh senior director of fact finding at the anti defamation league ooh okay uh there there you go right there that that should tell you Um, Of course, now he is diving into uh, what tactical means, Uh, a term that originated on 4chan to describe the fusion of gear fetishism and military aesthetics, uh, commonplace in some armed right-wing movements. Now, tactical originated in the mid-2000s where we made fun of people who were buying all the Blackhawk gear and thinking they were going to wear that on patrol. Uh, it spent their whole paycheck as a PFC on crap they didn't need. That was what we called tactical. It, it, it didn't come from 4chan, it came from us. Okay. Um, but anyway, uh, Mark Pitt Cabbage, I'm sure you make more money than I do uh, looking up these little factoids for the Anti Defamation League. Thank you uh, for that. <clears throat> of course, it throws in, of course, uh, the Oath Keepers, the uh, Three Percenters, Boogaloo Boys. Uh, which none of these, aside from the Oath Keepers, are even formal groups. Uh, the Three Percenters, quote-unquote, that's a bumper sticker and, and a T-shirt. O- okay, whatever. Um, you know, th- that was relevant back when Sipsy Street was doing stuff, but, you know, that that's no more whatever. Uh, Boogaloo Boys, that wasn't even a thing. It that, that was just a joke. Um, this, is, this is ridiculous. Anyhow. This is yet another one of those scare people kind of things. I think that it's very interesting because they omitted a group. Uh, They specifically omitted a very important group that is very active out there, um, that has been coordinating violent activities, and has embraced radio communications. Surprisingly enough, these are not right-wing people. This is the Socialist Rifle Association. You can find them. They have a Reddit page. Ah, and they have their own call sign. They have their own business license, and you can look this up through the FCC's ULS licensing database system. Call sign Whiskey Romeo Mike Papa 989 Granted 5142021 20, frequencies 151.5050 MHz 158.4 MHz 451.8125 MHz 456.8125 MHz and they got a license to do so this is the Socialist Rifle Association. Huh. How about that? How about there, there uh, Mark Pitcavage from the Anti-Defamation League? You can make your check payable for your research that has been done for you. You can make your check payable. It is a tax-deductible donation paid to Brushbeater Training and Consulting. You can email me for mailing details. You see, these hit pieces that are written, that are put out there, Slate, they're putting this crap out there because they are telegraphing intent. They're going to come after people like you and I. They're going to come after this podcast. They already have. They're going to continue to do so. That's fine. I got a plan for that. I began doing this all self-hosting, so if they want to cancel something, go ahead. Google already announced its intention, as did YouTube, which is Google. It's fine. Do what you're going to do. I'll make it. I'll survive. And guess what? I'll be stronger in doing so. Hit pieces like this? What you're really trying to do is lie to the old Karens out there. Oh, anyone using a radio is an evil right-winger. Okay, well, understand this. I point all this out to tell you, get out there and do something. Let articles, let heat pieces like that be a call to arms. You get out there. You get out there and you train to your heart's content. Because when I read something like that, I tell myself, hell yeah, I'm your enemy. I'm your Huckaberry. Come get me. Say when. Because I know that I'm arming the faithful. That I'm arming good people in this country. I look around at every class that I run when I see great people of every race, creed, and color that come out, and they're not necessarily all staunch conservatives. And, you know, it's not necessarily always a Republican convention at my place. But what I will say is this when I have a lot of ladies coming with men. Right? When I have married couples, when I have older ladies, when I have younger ladies, when I have people of every professional class and persuasion coming to class, looking to train, getting good skills, and having enjoying great fellowship after class. That's the way things should be because we're united in purpose. Just like on Independence Day and the events that led up to it, We're united for purpose. And that purpose is a great America and a better tomorrow. And so these articles like this coming from Slate and the Anti-Defamation League. Go ahead. Say what you're going to say. Write what you're going to write. You do what you're going to do. I'm calling you out. A lot of other people calling you out too. That's fine. I'm going to continue training people who are proud to be Americans, who are proud of their nation, despite all of the things we get slapped in the face with. And you know what? I'm training the people who are going to stand up and straighten out the mess that you people made. With that said, folks, thanks for sticking with this podcast had a little bit of a microphone issue, so I'm having to kind of do this ad hoc. Uh, I know that I'll inevitably get a couple of emails, but eh, audio quality maybe wasn't the best on this one. Hey, you know, it is what it is. This was kind of an ad hoc deal. I wanted to get a lot of content out there Had some things that I wanted to get off my chest. Chief among them, again, thank you for all of your incredible support. This has been a really, really hard week. This has been a really hard time. Uh, But I have taken a lot of solace in knowing that I'm surrounded by this incredible community that encompasses all of you out there. So thank you very, very much for all of that. I'm going to be getting going with some of the lessons from the farm. I've got a lot of things that are down on paper. Of course, the book right now is taking first and foremost uh, a lot of time. And I'm trying to get that out as quickly as possible because, folks, we need it. Got a lot of things that we're going to be talking about very soon. Sons of Liberty is going to be live on the air tomorrow night. Look forward to having all of you 2100 Eastern, only on the Pod Bean app. Get it? It is free. God bless. Good night. And I'll talk to you again very, very soon. Zen Scout out.